Welcome to Sometimes There's Side Eye, a podcast about two friends having real and unfiltered conversations about dogs and people. I'm Heather Brendel. And I'm Christy McNeely. So today we decided to allow you the opportunity to get to know the dogs who have sort of shaped us into the people we are at this point. And so we wanted to highlight the dogs that we've had throughout our lives. Me as an adult, Christy, pretty much her entire life in in addition to some fosters she's had. So you can get a real feel for where we've had great dogs come from and their sto- a little bit of their stories and then the awesome little tidbits that they offered to us in the way of learning throughout our lives together. And that way, also going forward, if we reference those dogs, you kind of have an idea who the heck we're talking about. With that, I think Christy gets to go first. Just kind of to highlight too, our differences in backgrounds. Like we said in our intro, we come from really different backgrounds. And so I am going to go through all the dogs I've had in my life because I've only owned three dogs in my entire life. Heather has owned a lot of dogs. So she is not going to go through every dog she's ever owned. But so that's just another way we are different. So my first dog, I feel like I was like around four. His name was Duke. He was a neighborhood stray. All the kids were playing with him. He had escaped the yard, a yellow lab, golden retriever mix. And he showed up on the front porch. My mom was, was not, is still not a dog person. And then mean neighbor down the street came over and grabbed him while we're playing with him, dragged him away and said, I'm taking him to the pound where they'll kill him. Oh my. Right. Ran inside. They're killing him. They're going to kill the dog and crying and. That's how we got our first dog. Duke was insane. He um he was an outdoor dog. We did not know any better. We rode on his back. Don't do that. But we we did. Um, it was such a great dog in that like we would ride on his back and we'd fall off and he'd wait for us to get back up on. Oh and, like, my god! Try gosh. again. He was just your typical just happy lab. He also was a fence jumper and he would go to the school and steal lunches and my. My parents were young. They were like in their 20s. My dad was working night shifts, so we were not training. When he escaped, we did a lot of things like, or my parents did a lot of things like, I mean, they jumped the fence and my dad stood on the other side with a hose and nearly drowned him to prevent him from popping the fence. That is like, my parents are kind of horrified by the fact that they did that now. But at the same time, they were like, we didn't know better and we were doing the best. For sure. With the resources we had, with the the knowledge we had, I say Duke has taught me so much about meeting people where they are. I think that's important to like realize people aren't at the same place in their journey as you. I mean, and helping them grow and learn and and come alongside of them for better training without judgment or better instruction or better information. And then if they choose to take that, great. If not, that's not on you. So that was my first dog. Lizzie is my was my second dog. Um, I got her in college. My grandmother had just passed away and my mom was at the grocery store, which my dad worked at at the time. And my dad uh, was a manager and a carryout came out in and said, there's a puppy underneath the car. My mom just happened to be getting groceries at the same exact moment. And so my dad said, can you grab the puppy? And they said, yeah, yeah, we can grab it. It's real small. He goes, will you go out and grab the puppy? And then do you see that woman out there putting groceries away? Take it to her and ask her if she wants this puppy. Oh my gosh. And they said, okay. They had no idea it was my mom. So they go to her and she, they say, ma'am, um, the manager wanted us to ask you, do you want this puppy? And she goes, is that manager Rob McNeely? They go, yeah, it was. He goes, you go back in and you tell him he's a dog. Puppy is so cute. Lizzie was a chocolate lab Sharpay, the cutest wrinkly chocolate lab you've ever seen. Like just adorable. And she said, everyone started grabbing at the puppy like, oh, well, if you don't want the puppy here, let me take it. Because she was very undecided. She's not a dog person. She doesn't want it. But she just lost her mom. And here's this helpless little four pound being of buzz and loving little blue eyes looking up at her. And so she's very torn, you know, and everyone starts grabbing at the puppy here. Let me take it. If you're not taking it, I want it. And she said, she just, without thinking, grabbed and kind of put her, her, her shoulder away from everyone and said, no, it's my puppy. I'm taking Aww. it. And I come home from college 
and there's a puppy. Hey, there's a puppy in my house. So I had Lizzie from college through my 30s. That dog was the golden child. My mom would introduce us as this is my son, Rob, and my daughter, Christy. And then this is our golden child. Lizzie is the dog that made my mom love dogs or understand why people love. Man, she was so smart. Like she just, we we did so many things right with her on accident. And I read all the books. I was so excited. I, I went to the library. I went to hand stores. I bought every training book I could get my hands on. I read all that I could. I took her to puppy classes. She did not do well in that. That was very overwhelming. She tried to high five all the puppy's faces um, because our cat would slap at her. And so she thought that was the game. So she learned high five from the cat. She had so many choices. So like even treats, we would say, Lizzie, what treat do you? And she would have like five different boxes and she would choose her treats, her own treats. She would let us know which one she wanted. She had choices about like, do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to stay here? Do you want to do you want to go for a ride? Do you want to stay with mom and dad or do you want to come over to my house? So we did a lot of things right on accident. And we yeah. did a lot of wrong, things wrong on accident with her. We didn't socialize her with other dogs. Threw her into all sorts of situations. I took her to the dog park. I had people bring their dogs over for dog sitting. She didn't like other dogs. We go, like Christy. made her live with other dogs. Yeah, we did all sorts of things. To her. But she was, she also was so confident and so fun, so fun to train, so great with people, loved everyone. And so she just taught me a lot about loving the dog you have in front of mm. you, like just enjoying your dog, wanting to be a better owner and learning so much. And then when she passed away, oh, devastating. I mean, my brother finally said, Christy, you are, are so sad. I think you should get another dog. And it was a hard process because dogs had always come to us. I had never gone and sought out a dog. And I had no, I had no breed restrictions. I had no, no idea of what I wanted other than I wanted a dog that was social, dog social, not because, not because of anything Lizzie did, but because I still was under the impression I would at some day, some point get married. And most likely that person would also like dogs and they might come into the relationship with a Sensible. Dog. So I was, I was thinking long-term. I ended up, I found Lucy at Maricopa County Animal Care and Control. And ironically, they knew nothing about her. I kept asking like, is she good with people? Is she good with kids? Is she good with this or that? And they were like, yeah, we don't know. She was a stray. Do you want her or not? Yeah. And, I was and like, just so people understand I mean, that's our open intake shelter here in Phoenix. Yes. So we have yeah. two locations and they are basically our community shelter. For me, literally no information on her. And I decided to go for it anyway. And Christy was like, well, that sounds like something I'm willing to bet on. Let's go for yeah, it. Sure. A lot of people say you don't get the dog you necessarily want. You get the dog you need. And I feel like that has been Lucy for me. We had some training challenges at first. She humped my brother a lot to the point he said, it's not fair to ask me to live in this house with a dog like that. Yeah. So as soon as I got her, was calling trainers because I wanted to be the best pit bull owner I could be because, you know, I'm going to make this dog my advocate breed and, you know, all right, which was great. In that. We definitely need that pressure. Yeah, right. (laughs) It was great in that it made me proud. I didn't want to be the cause of someone else disliking a breed, any breed. It made me really proactive. The trainer was like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. You're contacting me, but you don't have any problems yet. And I was like, right, no problems. But I want to make sure there's not problems. I want to set us up for success. And he's like, like, he didn't even know what to do with me. (laughs) But then there were problems. Yeah. (laughs) And That trainer, when I called in a panic, he laughed. He thought it was funny. And then that really did set me on a journey of learning dog behavior as well as different training methods too. Because I took her to three different trainers and only one could handle her. Only one could walk her. And I remember thinking, I'm not that good of a handler. Why am I the only one who can walk my own dog? Why can't these trainers even hold on to her? Yeah. 
she has taught me one, not every training method works for every dog. Yeah. Not every trainer works for every dog Mm -hmm. whole combo. And she has allowed me to, to make so many mistakes with her. She is confident in so many ways with dogs. And so Lucy also was like my running buddy. We, We started very fit together and we got old together. So she, she's been my hiking buddy, my running buddy, my dog tester. We've used her for so many bee intros and to be a solid female dog for puppies. Um, she taught Tiago. She taught Tiago. She taught, she's probably taught four or five different puppies, at least. If we had questions about shelter dogs, like we kind of used her a few times, like yeah. to see how she reacted to them. She's She's been a foster sister to like at least 10, 12 dogs. She's kind of turned out to be this all around amazing dog. And it was yes, a hard go at first go because I went from a 14 year old dog, Lizzie, you know, from four weeks old to the time she was 14 years old, then to go to a one year old pit bull that you have no history on. I mean, it was rough. Right. She ate my shoes. She ate jeans. I did not have a lot of extra money when I bought her or adopted her. I mean, I paid $20 for her and that included her, right? That included her rabies shot. She was actually technically free, but they had to charge me for the the rabies shot because I got her right after 4th of July. And and most 4th of July's we run specials, the county shelter here in Arizona, because we are so overrun. Let me just give grace to anyone who had their soul dog or a heart dog or just a dog they really loved and then go to a new dog. It's a tough transition. I've heard it again and again when people feel comfortable enough being honest. I didn't like her very much at first. I kind of thought I've made a huge mistake that I now have to bond because you have that grief. You you miss the day to day of having a dog. But the bond isn't there and it's not built and you're already grieving this other loss. I completely understand it. I had it from link to cash and it was really difficult. And there was no overlap. So it wasn't like I had another dog in the interim or any, it was, I had a dog. I had no dog. I have a new dog. And it was like, oh, this new dog, she is something, huh? She ate my jeans. She ate my, she ate my shoes. She, she needed a lot more. She needed training. She needed more exercise than a 14 year old dog who sleeps all day and is mostly deaf, partially blind. Like, you know, she just needed a bit more. (laughs) Seniors need different type of care, but still Lucy needed more physical activity, training and stimulation than what you had experienced. And because she came from the shelter, she was in there for almost a month and she, so a lot of her muscles had atrophied. So she needed, she needed all this exercise, but she couldn't actually do all the exercise because it's it's 115 million degrees here in the summer summer. and she had no muscling. So even a short walk, she was, she was tired. Of course, we just built up from there walk your dog dog you're so good at bonding with your dogs because you're you're doing all this training if you walk your dogs then it's additional but for me walking was like our love language to each other and so that's how we bonded was we went on all these adventures and she learned to trust me and I learned to read her and trust her and and she really became just like my best bud she really is my ride or die and I have to say like recently I went on a hike with friends and I'm gonna try not to cry when I say this like I just last weekend went on a hike with friends and I didn't have a dog to take because Lucy's injured right now she's old I was like this is a whole new level of sad you're you're grieving the life that you had with her yeah and we went from I don't know if I can do this Mm -hmm. or Maybe I'll get a second dog that I like for later in a year or two. Maybe I could just add another dog to this mix to going to, I just want to spend all the time I can with her and just enjoy every moment I have with her. So she's taught me a lot about training, so much about resilience, 
so much about bonding and and just having fun with your dog, enjoying what they enjoy, like finding things that they enjoy. She's taught me so much about letting a dog be a dog too. She has taught you about working with the dog in front of you. So that's pretty much Lucy and Lizzie and Duke. Like I said, we've had 10 fosters through the years. Each one I think has taught me so much. Max, my very first foster, he was only with me for like two and a half weeks, but I love that dog hard. He was hard to get rid of. I ugly cried for like three days when I got rid of him. It was tough and I knew it was the right decision. The owner was amazing. That taught me so much. I've had two hospice fosters, the first one on accident, but he taught me that I could do a hospice foster and it wouldn't kill me. And that was a big lesson. Which is props to you and everyone who does hospice foster out there because it is, yeah. takes a special heart to be able to do it. I would always say like, oh, well, I'm not going to get it as attached because like I know what it is going into it, but you do. You just put your heart out there. I'm always thankful for Kona for teaching me that I could do a hospice foster, that I would survive it. I'm always thankful for him. And then Jenny was my longest foster. She was Black Devil Forever. Black Devil Forever. Hospice imposter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And she was supposed to have three weeks to three months to live. I thought after Kona, you know what? I I can do three weeks to three months. And I told the shelf, I don't want a long-term foster. Talk about why, Christy, can you talk about briefly why you don't like to do long-term fosters? Because it's really honoring your dog that you do that. I like to do shorter term fosters because Lucy is such a fantastic foster sister, but she also really enjoys being the only dog. She loves playing with other dogs. She loves having other dogs for a few weeks. And then she loves just being the one and only, like my my soul girl. So I do try to do shorter stints for her. And also I really enjoy my time with my dog. I love seeing her with other dogs. I love being able to help out in a foster capacity. But I also just love having one-on-one time with my dog too and investing that time in her. So that's why we typically don't do long-term fosters. I wanted to highlight that because I think it's important. It is something that you're very careful to do because you're honoring who Lucy is. And then you're also just enjoying your relationship with her. I think that's awesome. So Jenny, I said, I didn't want a long-term foster. Jenny had three weeks to three months to live. I thought if she's going to die anyway, and I know that sounds terrible, but I thought if she's going to die anyway, wouldn't it be better for her to die in a home on a soft bed instead of at the shelter. In the shelter she came from, it's a nice shelter. They have nice facilities. She wasn't going to be in a bad way. Having some one-on-one attention just seems like a better dignity at the end of the life, you know? As we say, a soft place to land. Yeah, exactly. Jenny lived a year and three months. This would be why we all joke about Black Devil forever because she she was the dog that would not die. She would not. And like, she did all sorts of things. She (laughs) ate a Bible. And I said, that feels real bold to someone who's about to go meet her maker. She ripped my whole life apart. (laughs) Your favorite shoes? Oh, she ate eight pairs of shoes in six hours. But she, at least she would- You allowed her access to shoes too. So, hey. No, no, I did. Honestly, closet was, I shut the closet, but didn't shut half an inch and I didn't realize it. And she got her snout in there and opened it and took every pair of shoes out. I'm not a shoe person. So eight pairs of shoes is like literally every pair of shoes I own. My cowboy boots, my heels, every pair of work. I think she left my tennis shoes alone. She grabbed them and like shake them at you indignantly. Come on. And to honestly, to everyone listening, that truly was Jenny's personality. And she posed with them and smiled. I mean, and everyone said, we love watching your adventures with Jenny. We would never want her in our house, but we love watching you go through it. That's, we're such and great honestly, friends. Honestly, that's how we kind of all bonded because nobody believed me mm-hmm. that she was a little bit of a devil. I started sending these group text messages with pictures mm-hmm. of complete destruction of my home. And Jenny wasn't leave. large. Jenny was small. She was oh, this she small was like, little black skipper key fluffy pomeranian mix thing yeah probably some cattle dog in there yeah I'm and she guess. was what 30 pounds 35 
probably yeah, she was a I mean, by, by so the end, she, she might have weighed like 45 grit. pounds. Jenny had grit. She did. But you know what? It's so interesting to me because she was always a concern for me in introducing her to other dogs. But thinking through, knowing we were going to do this, she really was fantastic. I threw a lot at her. She like, was fantastic. With other dogs. She was not yeah. fantastic in That's every way. I mean, Tiago loved her. And she right. would incite him to play. And then he would come at her. And then she would sass at him and say, you can back up, motherfucker. And they just had like this adorable little flirty kind of relationship that was so cute. She tried to bite Lucy twice over food, but yet Lucy didn't react. Nobody ever reacted to her. Like she was yeah. really a snippy and kind of the boss lady sometimes. But I think I dog sat four different dogs when I had her. Mm-hmm. I had two strays come in one that I fostered for a few weeks alongside of her she did good with small dogs big dog yep. puppies I mean good is a t- relative term but like nobody sassed her she was like that I hate the term alpha female whatever but nobody messed with her yeah. and she wasn't <laughs> she just was who she was she with other dogs she really was there and then I will say come time to put Ginny down. It was very tough. It was. But it, it, her, actually, it was her anxiety, not her medical, that got the best of her. And it became a point where I was afraid my dog was also going to be in danger. Ginny could not be confined. She would injure herself. So just know we tried to do all the right things to keep her out of trouble, but it was a choice of having her injure herself and defecate all over herself. She wasn't Horrible. a young dog either. Not that. No. No, and she couldn't hold it a lot of things. Yeah, which is why she was already Mm -hmm. supposed to be 10 years old. It did come to a point where I felt my my dog's life was also in danger with some things she was getting into and doing, and and I knew I couldn't live with that. Ginny just wasn't happy. Like she was so quality of life. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah really helpful for the vet team to tell me, Christy, her her hospice situation, her health, you always thought it was going to be her health, but her health doesn't look the way you thought it was going to look. Yes. She is not well. And that was really releasing to say yeah. she's not well. And the best gift I can give her is peace. And honestly, when I put her to sleep, um, the vet didn't have to tell me like, she's gone now. I said, oh, she's at peace. She's gone. Yeah. I knew the moment she was peaceful, she was gone. And it felt like Oh, I mean, it was so sad, but also I gave her that that dignity and the peace at the end. Yeah. And she had a bang up last day. She barked at a puppy who then the owner found out that it was her last day. And so she was like, you can bark at my puppy all you want. Here's some treats. She knocked down a display at PetSmart. She went to the CrossFit gym, encouraged the girls to work out. All the girls said hi. She went to the butcher. She got a bag stuck on her head. Oh like it's all the Ginny things. Like she just had the best day and we documented the whole thing. So I've had some great fosters and then Julius is my current foster. He's been with me almost hey, everybody six months. cut in. Julius is adoptable. Yes. Julius is he adoptable is. through AZ Canine Rescue here in Phoenix. So as you listen, as you listen to Christy talk a little bit about Julius, keep him in mind. He's been teaching me a lot too, because he came to me with zero food motivation. Mm -hmm. I didn't think you could teach food motivation, but you can, and we have, and I will, yesterday I was, I can officially say he's food motivated after six months. I think he's food motivated, which which is fantastic. From a training perspective, is incredible. It's very difficult to do. I've never had to do it. So I give you props. Spending the time to do that changed his adoptability status so much because he will be easier to live with in every way, being now food motivated. Yeah, and he's just so fun. And so he's teaching me a lot about, you have all these ideas. You listen to these podcasts and you're like, oh yeah, like I've changed my ways. I just feel like sometimes you just need a dog to humble you. And he did. He came in and he just said, hey, I'm not going to make it as easy as you think. But he is such an easy dog. He does everything amazing. Yeah. He's kennel trained. He just walks right in his kennel. Like, and if he's unsure of what to do, he'll go in his kennel and wait for direction. Like, oh. come on. Why are you so perfect? He has no food aggression. He's doggy door trained. He's had zero accidents. He's, he's athletic. 
and lazy both he's he's the best knuckler oh and he's so silly like he jumps up and down swings this toy around he's just a fun guy in fact when I went on vacation I dropped him back off at the rescue and I came back and I had a day where it was just me and Lucy and I was like it's not harder with him or without him it's just different he doesn't any level of difficulty to my life having him here which is quite the statement because he's a large dog oh he is a large dog so insane to me that he's so easy to have around and yet he's not been adopted I'm shocked he is just teaching me all the time I am going to start with the dogs that I have owned as an adult. I think we briefly talked about the fact that I did rescue a greyhound and that was not a right fit. She was with me for about three months. I returned her to the rescue and we were super supportive. This would have been when I was 24 years old. So she went back and she was adopted to a different home. She got very uncomfortable around children. Funny. Yes, I was going to say, because you don't have kids. Right. But, but, but it's okay to have some of those requirements. Well, even and if- when I lived in Pennsylvania, all of my nieces and nephews were around. And at the time, yes. they were young. So although I don't have children of my own and my requirements now living away from my family are different, back then it was a requirement for me. The rescue found her a home with someone who didn't have that situation. That was Julie. And then I absolutely had to have a dog. I purchased Link out of the newspaper. The way I grew up was if the dog was said to be AKC registered, that was all you needed to know. And that was a great dog. We met Link. He came over and he flopped over and he fell on my shoe. And like an idiot, I (laughs) was like, who can resist that? We gave them $400 cash. This would have been 2003. We walked away with our new eight-week-old puppy. Man. So many things in that. Like, to pack, like, like they didn't, they have no idea what happened to their puppy after. You have no idea who they are, no No. relation. Yeah. No. Uh, The only thing that I was able to backtrack, which I did do later in time, was his AKC pedigree. I actually purchased a five-generational pedigree as I learned about breeding and pedigrees and blah, 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 I was curious about, about temperament and some of the dogs that were behind him, the kennel that they came from was well known for maybe not having the best temperament. And it Mm, definitely matched up. Yeah. Matched up with what I was seeing in my dog. I did socialize him. He spent a lot of time with my parents' dogs. And I look back now, every time that Jar and I would leave, we would drop Link off with my parents and we just let all the dogs together. And things we did. We would go to the mall for three hours and we didn't have to worry about anything. God, I think about that stuff now. And, you know, there's beauty in that ignorance because you don't worry you just are like, hey, everything's going to be fantastic. And you you don't have any of that life experience that makes you worry. And there's some beauty in being a novice yes. that I wish for sometimes because I can't unsee what I know now. Yeah. And I think it jades us sometimes and makes us overly cautious. Absolutely. Not that we're going we're gonna to let that go at this point because of our experience levels, but it does jade us. Anyway, Link clearly from the beginning was going to have some behavioral difficulties. This dog had so much energy. He was relentless. Link was, he was a hard dog to own. I immediately knew that I had a problem. This was before, you know, social media. This is 2003. I started Googling. There was a time before social media. I don't understand. I know. And was it Google? I don't know. I, I think, yeah, like Google Groups or something. No, no, it was like, no forums. That? Yahoo Groups weren't even a thing yet. Because Yahoo Groups, that, that's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was probably on dial-up. AOL. AOL. I knew I was in trouble and I had grown up with so many dogs. You know, I was fortunate that way to recognize, whoa, I got a problem here. So I started looking around and I was so, so lucky to come across a Rottweiler forum that I 
just popped on there. I started reading. I got to know people who were gracious enough to offer me free advice. They were people who knew the breed. They had been in the breed for decades. They were open. They were honest. They gave me insights. I had no idea what I had and I didn't know what to do about it. I was in trouble. Link was a dog that lived six years with us and we managed him every day of his life. He never bit anyone. That says more about your caretaking of him than his his temperament. He was okay with people he knew. So that was our family members. And when I say okay, only to an extent, he was not okay with people he didn't know and was always created when people came over that he didn't know. That was a rule we had. And thankfully he created well. Which is fantastic. Like that's just such a great, I wish more people would do that. It's okay to put away your dog. Yeah. It's something I still use today. It it was a necessity. The other really difficult thing about him was that he was extremely leash reactive. So you have this massive dog who's extremely leash reactive. We took him to training and I learned a lot about his triggers. So I tried to get better at my timing with being able to foresee a trigger and help him with that before he would react. We did the best we could with what we had. I was working with a dog who definitely did not have solid genetics behind him. I was a very novice person. He was my first Rottweiler. He was my first working dog. There were a lot of firsts. We were bumbling through together throughout my journey with him. I learned about, even though I grew up going to dog shows, remember my parents buying our first golden retriever and talking about her health testing. I still didn't have a full breadth of understanding of what responsible breeding looks like. I learned a lot about that from the people on the forum and they taught me so much about solid temperament and about supporting your breed. So my background... Solid temperament is so important in every breed. Yes. But especially in these powerful breeds. Yes. The one thing that I had, he loved to learn. He loved to train. He passed at six, almost seven of bone cancer. He went to formal classes, meaning we went to group class every single week for the first four years of his life. Such a commitment. We would just do the next class, do the next. I think about it now and I'm like, wow, that trainer allowed us to go and stand in a corner. It's so important too. I know. And we talk about valuable. We would be in an advanced trick class and the new class session would start and I would figure out which dogs were going to be a trigger for him. And the trainer would allow me to manipulate my positioning in the class, which was so, so smart, but could still participate in the class. So forward thinking. And this woman did a lot of things right. Link was a dog that ignited the training bug in me. I started off with a dog who was so hard to own. Everyone who knows me has heard the story of Link was about five months old. He was literally running laps in my living room from the couch to the end table to the love seat and around again. And I looked at my now husband and I said, if we make it through this dog, we will be together forever. And I was not joking because it was a very difficult time. There were moments where I questioned my life choice. <laughs> but so I can imagine what these conversations look like at five months old with a dog running over top of him. Yeah. While he looks at you like, what have we done? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I was busting my butt to figure out what the hell to do to survive this dog. Even though sometimes it was real, real messy. We survived. And the dogs that he lived with, he lived with very, very well. He was two when we decided we wanted a second dog. And I know, brilliance. And then we decided that we would adopt a pit bull because we were convinced that while I really had a better understanding of responsible breeding at that time, we were very pro-adoption and 
that was the route that we were solid on going. And we went to the open intake shelter in Pennsylvania. And my mom went with us. She's walking along the kennel, sticking her fingers in all the cages. I mean, come on, this is like 2005. Which is things I used to do and no longer as a volunteer there. I do not stick fingers in there. Brilliant. And we walked in the front door with Link. And once we told the people who were like, oh, great, they're surrendering this massive Rottweiler. No, no, no. We're here because we want to introduce him to these dogs that we like. They were like, oh, okay. And it was a really positive experience. They allowed us to introduce him. And we were able to spend time with them together. Layla, our, who became our Layla, Link was a very strong-willed, large personality. Layla was all of 37 pounds and probably six to eight months old. And she walked up to Link and she sniffed him. And she basically went whatever, and walked away. And I was like, she can clearly stand on her own. She was super sweet. She was quiet in the kennel, which was error on our part. Definitely shut down. Error, error, error. red flag. But at the time we thought was this great positive thing. Yeah. So they actually did home checks, even though they were shelter. They Um, were very forward thinking. Like, yes, I couldn't bring a dog to meet Lucy. Even yeah. if I wanted to, like, and they did a home check. She said, "You guys are great. You can follow me back, and you can bring her home." And that's what we did. Layla was an extremely difficult dog to live with our first year, in a different way. I met her at the end of life, probably in the last year yeah. of her life. We were lucky so enough. Did not see any of that. Yep, Layla made it to fifteen. She ended up being the best dog, but the first year with her taught me so many different lessons. She had severe separation anxiety and we were deeply committed to crating and we had never experienced a dog who didn't like that. She just had, it wasn't even about the crate. It was about separation in general. Separation anxiety is. Oh my God. I know. For the first six weeks that Layla was with us, we would come home and Jared and I would delay to try to be the second person home. And I'm not, we talk about it now because you would walk in and she would have gone to the bathroom in her crate. She would roll in it. She would fling it. She, I mean, this dog was in fucking distress. We didn't have the knowledge to understand what it was then. We knew clearly this is a problem. We didn't have the psychological understanding at this time, you know, to do what I would do now to help her through it. I made the space that she was in smaller. I did all the traditional things and she would break through the barriers. It hurts my heart to think about now. And finally, after six weeks of experimentation, figured out what was enough for her to get her through that she could settle and she could make it through the day without being in a horrible place. It wasn't an understanding from a psychological standpoint that this dog is fucking horrified. And I feel God awful thinking about it now, but we didn't know. You do the best with the information you have at the time. Yep. We finally got her to a point where she was okay, which somebody said to me, I think this dog needs drugs. And it wasn't actually the crate stuff. It was if she heard a sound in our home that she didn't understand or didn't recognize, she would pace our first floor whining for 30 minutes at a time. That was horrible because that's something we were actually seeing. You know, it was right in front of our face. And thank God our veterinarian at the time said, hey, I really think you need to consider some drug intervention for this dog. And I think that that happening at the same time as we were going through the crate stuff, plus, you know, everything else we were experimenting with, thank God it just came together. Can I just say, there is no shame in drugging your dog. Like, I don't understand. And we're not talking about drugging your dog into stupidity. We're talking about giving your dog 
the tools to be able to live a good life. And if they don't need it anymore, then we did drugs and we did behavioral intervention with training and whatnot. Absolutely. And we ended up weaning her off the drugs. Looking back now, she probably should have been on drugs her whole life for the continued overall anxiety, just to take the edge But just off. like people. Yeah. Just like people. You need the counseling, but yep. sometimes you need the drug. 100%. The anti-anxiety, what, you know, to, 100%. to give yourself the tools. Yes. We took her to a group training class and the, the woman told us to put her to sleep because of her anxiety. I walked out of the class and I sat in the car and I ride that trainer man fuck that trainer like for real for fuck. real can, can we also say like it's okay to that talk about behavioral euthanasia no no I, hey that is the right reaction when somebody's coming at your dog and it's okay to talk about behavioral euthanasia yes but when the owner is on board also not suggesting that for people who just have a puppy that is difficult. Yeah. Also, can we not go from zero to 60? I mean, quite honestly, this woman had met Layla for 20 minutes, had given me no tools whatsoever to help her. She literally went from zero to 60. And that's why I say do better. And it just, it was not right. And so we never went back. And I ultimately found out that she was actually anti-pitbull. And so... That makes a lot more sense. It does. And so our journey with Layla, getting her to a place where she was comfortable in her own skin and she was doing well was probably about a year. So at that point, we had a three-year-old Rottweiler and a one-and-a-half-year-old pitbull. And we said, well, what the hell? Let's get another dog. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just, you know what? Being young and stupid is so fun. <laughs> oh, God. Not only let's get another dog, let's adopt another pit bull because there ain't no people who are walking into shelters or going to rescues and signing up to take another pit bull, which there's plenty of people doing that. I have the savior complex at this point, people. I was the second coming to the pit bull community. We started looking on Pet Finder. I mean, you did like rescue half of them. Oh, like half that were available in the entire world. We ended up contacting a rescue. We went and met her when she was 11 weeks old. We adopted my Lucy, um, who was a black and white pit bull when she was 14 weeks old. They were an incredible support to us her entire life. She lived 11 years and she got along great with all of our dogs. (laughs) Because, you know, we were so smart and we were getting a puppy because you raise puppies to be the Because you wanted dog. to raise it, right. Because yeah. even though I knew about genetics with Link, I still... It doesn't apply to people. No, it doesn't apply to puppies. Or dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Genetics don't apply to puppies, Christy. Oh, and in same, the end, same. when she turned about 16 months old and started to hit sexual maturity, we started to have issues consulted trainers. We considered returning her. I told my husband that if she went, I went, which was a hell of a fucking threat. Do not. You're just like trying to leave Jer in all these situations. (laughs) If we make it through this, we'll make it forever. 20 years later, Lucy was a real bone of contention in our marriage for many, many, many years because I was hell bent when this started happening, I had already been training her for over a year. We had already started agility training. And I didn't think crate and rotate was a big deal, which is where we ended up. I was like, what's the big deal? We're not going to have kids. We're, you know, capable humans. We can absolutely do this and be successful. And I didn't think it was a big deal for many, many years because we were able to do it very successfully. That's not what I believe now. But um, did that change? (laughs) Yeah, definitely changed. It changed when we moved and we had a really, really bad fight and we couldn't get them apart. That was the moment where I realized that this situation was not only not safe for my husband who had gotten bit, it was not safe for my animals. We are human and we will always make mistakes and there's no way around it. Yes. And not to judge people no. because there's they've made a mistake. And so now you have to think through 
if you're going to keep that dog, you know, just looking forward, if you're going to to have that situation, when you mess up, not if, but when you mess up, how bad would it be? We also, I mean, my husband and I didn't take a vacation together eight years. Who do you trust? Hey, if our dogs meet, they're going to kill each other. So no big thing. And it was that serious. We ended up living in a situation where we had to have two doors between them at all times after that fight. Yeah. Number one thing Lucy taught me was honor the dog you have. Once we put her on her own and made her our singleton, as we called her, she actually flourished and she was so much less stressed. And she actually really, really loved her one-on-one time. And so she just drove home for me, take a look at the actual dog in front of you and honor who they are. We also had Cash, who was a Rottweiler that we adopted when we came to Phoenix after we lost Link. And he was an incredible dog. The word we always used to to describe Cash was exuberant. He woke up every single freaking day with the attitude of, it's a great day. I mean, he just had this zest for life. And he was my husband's dog. We called him the little spoon because he spooned like nobody's business. Adored that dog so much. But my, my journey with him started with grief, like we talked about with you, with Lizzie. And I had a really hard time bonding with him because I really miss Link. As difficult as Link was to own, I had put so much into him. And losing a dog at six years old to bone cancer is extremely difficult. I wanted another Rottweiler in my life, but I also at the same time wasn't ready. And thankfully, my husband picked up and really bonded with him. And he was his dog. Cash liked to learn stuff in our house, but he didn't give a shit about the outside world. He loved just living life. And he loved his ball. That was enough for him. You know, it really was. He loved living with Layla. And she had ushered him in and showed him the ropes. And he just was a really, really get along guy. Without Cash... I don't think Jer would have signed up for another Rottweiler. And I knew in my heart, I wanted another Rottweiler and that that was in my future. And it had cash been anything like Link, that would not have been a possibility for me. Unfortunately, he was about seven when we lost him to a suspected brain tumor. We saw some behavior changes in him that were complete 180s for this dog. I held that close to the chest for a long time. We looked at every angle from a medical standpoint. For any other possibility. And then our close friend who knew him well, who's also a veterinarian, came and saw him and said, something's wrong. Putting that together with the behavioral changes that were completely different for him in a very short amount of time when nothing else had changed, it was very clear. I truly believe he had a brain tumor and ended up letting him go when he was about seven. And that was rushing. Yeah, because it was so unexpected. It was, yeah, it was, and then it was like, hey, Christy, he's not right. We're gonna, I'm open to talk about it now. Like, he had some aggression issues with me and with other dogs, which was completely different. When it happened, I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want people to remember that because he was so much else. And that's not who he was. Yeah. And I wanted to protect three weeks. Yeah. But as time went on, I really wanted to talk to the point that it was a behavioral decision that was rooted in a medical problem that had crossed a line. It wasn't him. No, it wasn't him. Um, Everything was going great. We had Cash, Layla, and Lucy. Cash and Layla were together. Lucy was our singleton. We were on a crate and rotate situation. We were going to... uh, adoption event, clearly look at my husband and say, you're not allowed to go and look at dogs. If that's not possible, you're not allowed to go. And which is so funny knowing him now, like that, that now, was he's an a issue. Person. Yeah. yeah. He is. We're all, we're all different. We're now. all different. <laughs> and he was like, nope, our situation's good. Like we have a good routine, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're not getting another dog until Lucy's gone. And I'm like, okay. So we set off stupid fucking idiots we fall in love with a little blue lady 
whose name was Remy. And my husband said, that's it. We're doing it. Remy came home. She immediately just fell right in with Cash and Layla. And that was it. She restored my faith in what I had come to believe, which was that female pit bulls could not get along. And I needed Remy in my life. She was this amazing, quirky as hell, your style pit bull. She was. She, <laughs> she was an odd, but like amazing. She just got along. She was this like blocky headed dog who just crawled right in and settled herself and said, I'm just going to go along and you guys are going to love me and this is going to be wonderful. And she was a beautiful addition to our home. And we told no one because we were like, oh my God, like we're so stupid. And then all of a sudden, and this was pre-Christy, and all of a sudden I post on Facebook and say, oh gosh, we adopted this dog. She marched to her own drummer in the very best way. And she really, really brought us so much joy. And she she lived until she was 11. She was our last Pitbull lady to leave us. She's been gone about three years. She was what we used to call the puppy master or the puppy wrangler. She really took over for Layla. And Remy just was like, yes, ma'am, I will pick up that mantle and I will take that on and I will do it with tag team. Listen. Hell yes. A year, almost a year and a half later. And how old was Remy when you got her? Six. She just was easy to live with. She was like, created well. She never made a peep. You know, she had a silly, quirky personality. She got along great with other dogs. She just was so easy to own. She did have to have back surgery. She blew her back. No, she was four when we got her. She blew her back when she was six. And we did back surgery. So she lived seven years with us. And then about a year and a half after we adopted her, we stupidly, I took my husband to a Christmas party for the same group. So wrong with you. And there was a dog who had been returned a week before who was long known throughout the community. I look at my husband and I say, have you ever met Daisy? And he looks at me and I'm pointing to her over in the corner. And he turns back to me and he says, she's coming home with us. And I was like, no. And he turned and looked to the president and said, hey, we would like to do a meet and greet with Daisy. Jer turned to the foster dad, said, we'd like to do a meet and greet. He said, sure. It was scheduled and done within like two minutes. My husband does have a really good dog mojo sense. And he just, he looked at her and that was it. And she was an old lady at this point. I mean, she was estimated to be like eight a week later. She walked into our house and it was like she had always been there. She became the fourth of our quad squad. And Daisy ended up becoming a therapy dog and working with children in Phoenix. I wish we had had more time with her. She was just as weird as Remy. (laughs) She was was not weird. Daisy would sit on the couch beside you and she would either rest her chin on your shoulder and stare at you or she would rest basically her cheek and eyeball their eyeballs were a little bulky on your cheek and she would just sit there and you were like what are you doing i mean she was a weirdo she would fall asleep sitting up well yeah she did and, and that was and adorable she would just fall over and she would like fight sleep and then she would pop back up and be like nope not sleeping and then she would fall over and sleep again i'm fine She was a genetic nightmare from like a medical standpoint. She had dysplasia, everything. She had surgically repaired knees. She had these teeny tiny little triangle cropped ears that were done at some point. And she was just pure magic. And she was. She loved every dog, every animal in therapy work. She had met a potbelly pig. She had met birds. She, she helped raise Tiago. I mean, this dog was just everything. And I had gotten her not long after my mom had passed away unexpectedly. And there were just so many emotional things during that time. And I think that's why I have like so many big feelings about Daisy and get choked up about her. You only had her three years. We had her three years. Yeah. 
her body just gave out. To understand how amazing Daisy was within our community, we ended up having a living wake for her. And I have to say it was like, I'm going to get teared up like talking about it, but it was so fun to have just this group of people coming in and out who loved her and celebrating with pizza and sharing stories and loving on her. There's pictures from that night that I still cherish. Her original foster dad who had her for a couple of years and saw her through surgeries and medical recoveries came that night. A very good friend of ours came and took professional photos It had started because people wanted to come and say goodbye to her. And she was such an integral piece of our community at that point. Her spine was just, I mean, her arthritis was so bad that we had her medicated and comfortable, but we had been doing palliative care for a really long time. So she would, I knew she would enjoy it, but so many people came in that night and saw her and understood why we were making the decision, but it was such a night of joy. So we just left the door open. We had pizza. She got a million pizza crust. And yeah, we who all cares? Like if yeah, she's fat. drank some beer and remembered and cried and laughed and shared. And it was it was a beautiful, beautiful few hours of saying goodbye to a dog who was just larger than life. We said goodbye to Daisy. And um, that was a really hard time. January, we lost Lucy. Then we lost Cash that October. Then the following May is when we lost Daisy. And then the following January, we lost Layla. And then the January after that, we lost Remy. Yeah, it was a lot. We lost five dogs in three years. It was too much. And I say to people, we knew we were in for a world of hurt. Um, because we had a lot of dogs who were a lot around a lot of the same age bracket, but it just, it really hurt us. It changed us in a way. It made us definitely question because senior care is a lot. And we had four seniors at the same time who we were caring for acupuncture. We did physical therapy. We did different drug trials. We did CBD. I mean, we were doing medications three to four times a day. We were doing everything. And I'm thankful I was capable because I was home working from home, but holy shit. So at that point, we, Tiago had come home and Layla and Remy and Daisy all got to help raise Tiago for his first, Mm -hmm. you know, year of life or whatever. And they helped shape him into the dog he is now. After we lost Daisy, there was a real emptiness in our home. She was a lot of personality and it was really quiet. We ended up adopting Tater, son of a bitch. He is everything. I mean, look at our logo and that yeah. side eye is real life. That's Tater. That is who he is. <laughs> and he's been amazing. He's also an asshole and he will not think twice about giving you the middle finger, much like your Lucy. There's a little bit of uh, joy in that and also a bit of, I might kill you. Sure. He's he's (laughs) awesome. And he also, he's taught me about respecting a dog for who they are in a different way. Hmm. Because I have, our pit bulls just kind of hung. Like we didn't have behavioral problems, even with Lucy's stuff. Like they were very easy to live with just day to day. Male Rottweilers are generally so biddable, meaning like they just are like, yes, what can I do for you? And that is not tinker. Bulldogs require a different understanding. He has made me a better trainer. He wants everything in a in a perfect way. And if you don't do it perfect, he will call you on your shit in a heartbeat. And he will tell you off and tell you that you suck as a trainer and that you need to do better. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He does. But then there's these like pictures that I've captured, just random pictures of him like so lovingly looking at you during training. Like where, are those pictures? where you're like, that's a one off. That's not really how he is. But he does like when it all comes together. Yeah. He's there for it. I have learned a lot about a dog going over threshold with Tater. I've learned a lot about understanding the hierarchy of rewards with Tater. Tater, if I want to teach him something complex or some or certain behaviors, I can't use cheese because he loses his mind and immediately goes over threshold. And I've never had a dog like that. 
I've always had dogs who love food, but never a dog that would lose their mind over certain foods. And I think that teaches a lot too, because Lucy, I couldn't use positive reinforcement because she would so quickly fly over threshold. And I was just getting my hands bitten. And let me tell you, that's not fun. Like it's not fun for her to be yelled at. It's not fun to get your hands nipped. It's not training wasn't doing good training there. Nobody. Nobody, but yet nobody told me lower the food value. There was not a single trainer who said, lower your food value. Give her some kibble. Give her something dry, boring. Like everyone was like, no, you have to give chicken and cheese and and ground meat, filet mignon. I don't know why she's fighting me. And I think that's part of the reason we went to a balanced trainer was because I was like, this is not working. And y'all don't know what it's like to have a dog that is so over threshold about food. And I met like five other owners in training that were like, oh, we tried positive reinforcement, but we kept getting bit. With Tater, he does the thing that makes me most insane, which is barks. And his bark, when he is over threshold, is a completely different bark. And now I understand that it is such a stress sound and he cannot think clearly. And if I'm asking him to learn something new, expecting him to think clearly when all he can think about is cheese, 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 it's just stupid. And it's not good training. And having to say, oh, wow, I need to train you with plain kibble, like your dog food. And when I do that, also I am clear and also I am accurate, you are successful. Whereas my Rottweilers in the past have just made me look good because they were just awesome at being smart and Tater's smart at a, on a whole new level. But Rottweilers are more apt to generalizing, more apt to looking at what you're doing and figuring it out. I wasn't doing good training. My dogs were just figuring it out. Thank you very much, dogs. And Tater was like, no, ma'am, you need to try harder because that is not enough for me. And you are not clear. And I was like, well, shit. I think the first time that Lucy and Tater met each other, Mm -hmm. we did an event where we took our dogs to a bar. I so appreciated. At one point, Lucy was way over threshold. I knew it, but I didn't really want to yeah. say it. Cause... And you drove all that way and you want to be at the event and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so like, I just, and I just expect her to come and sit quietly and perfectly by my feet. And that mm-hmm. should be a grand time for her. No, that's yeah. a terrible time for her. Yeah. It, and she was doing really well, actually, yeah. but she was escalating over her threshold. And I was seeing that, but not acknowledging it. And then she muzzle punched Peter um, right in the shoulder. And I was horrified because I'm, we're still not good friends yet. And we're yeah. still getting to know each other. And, and you just looked and you go, oh, no big deal. She's over threshold. Oh, look, I think Tater's getting over threshold. Do you want to leave? And I was like, oh, oh, we can admit these things. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. We ask so much of our dogs, Dan, and they do we a do. really great job of like trying so hard to make it happen. I was going to say, like, I feel like you kind of skipped over Tiago. You were like, and then Tiago was in the mix. And so Tater, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I was no, like, I are we like getting I to probably Tiago? already okay. talk so much about Tiago that it's unnecessary. If you listen to the intro, you already know that Tiago is my everything. And I purchased him from an ethical breeder, responsible breeder in 2017 as a nine-week-old puppy. I can't even put into words what this dog is to me. Tiago is my first heart and soul dog. I feel like he was cut from a piece of me and given back to me in this beautiful, amazing package. And I've said before that Tiago is my everything. And Jared has absolutely said, whatever, I don't mean anything. I, I know that he is my once in a lifetime dog. And I recognize it and I'm trying like hell to enjoy every single freaking moment that I have. He's going to be six next month. 
he's, he's just everything that I hoped for when I went to the breeder and I told her exactly what I wanted. He was it. And I flew just to New York and I'm not kidding when I say it, if he was not the dog that I expected to meet, I would have left there without a puppy. It was very clear that he was my dog. I have not had a moment, even though we've had trials and tribulations, I've questioned why certain things have happened, but never for a heartbeat have I ever questioned if he was meant to be with me. I don't think anyone who's ever seen you two together have ever questioned if he was the dog for you. No, a friend of ours came over and met him for the first time. So it's the first time they've ever seen us together. And she said, oh my God, the way that you look at each other is just something else. I try to live up to our relationship and what he means to me every day. And sometimes I get it wrong, but at the end of the day, welcome to being a human. Welcome to being a human. Most days at the end of the day, I don't know if you know I do this. I look at Tiago and I say, did you have a good day today, buddy? I love that. Right before last potty, I'll ask him, hey, did you have a good day today, buddy? I just kind of take a moment to reflect and, you know, take it in. And then, yeah. and, and he's going to live forever. Yes, absolutely. No a disparity between um, the way you look at him and the way you look at Tater at all. I mean, it's <laughs> basically the same. Anyone who knows her also knows we we harass her constantly about not loving her bulldog. She loves her bulldog. Let me rephrase right. that. She loves her husband's bulldog. What was it that made you want a Rottweiler in the beginning? And then even after having Link, who was so difficult, what was it that led you to that the the Rottweiler breed? I love their work ethic and their biddability. They want to do the thing. And they are so forgiving in you bumbling around. This is my opinion. The breed allows you to foster this connection with them that is just inherent to a Rottweiler. And while Link came from a backyard breeder, Cash came from rescue, and Tiago came from responsible breeder, there are things about those three dogs that have rang true. And those are things that I really connect to. And one huge piece of that is the training part of it. Link hooked me to training. He was there and ready. And that is addicting when you realize that you are a person who wants to do training. It looks different with all of them, but all three of my male Rottweilers have had that. They are super smart. I love their look. I love that they're a hardy breed. I love their stubbornness. They have some resilience. Yes. I love the fact that they're also, with all of that, not going to just roll over. Like they do roll over and they are a mush, but they also have that other side of them, you know, which is similar to me. I have a big heart and if I believe in something, I'm not going to back down. They make me feel very safe and comfortable, Mm -hmm. not in any sort of aggressive way. All of our Rottweilers have patrolled our fenced yards and been very aware of their surroundings, but they're not a barky breed. If they bark, it's for a reason. And I love that. I like that they're aloof, although Tiago's not aloof. That is not an aloof dog. He's not. And part of that is me, but I do love that they look aloof. It's not a dog that you like run up to without asking first. Yeah. Males particularly. They're real mushy with their female owners. They just are like, mommy, mommy. I love that feeling. Those are the dogs I've owned and loved as an adult. So I feel like we gave little tidbits of understanding of how we've become the people we've become because of those dogs. So hopefully gives you some insight into who we are now and how we got here. If you like what you hear, please don't forget to subscribe, to share to like our episode like, rate. Um, and we appreciate your time and go hug your dogs yes enjoy your dogs want, today if they want you to hug them yeah go enjoy your if dogs. they don't want you to hug them like give them a bonus enjoy your dog in a way they enjoy being enjoyed <laughs> have a great day everybody bye